Welcome to the Caleb Bullard Show. In this episode, we'll be talking to Bobby Rednauer, a professional in baseball who's created a six-figure business. Has also just mastered life in general through both of those aspects. So I'll bring him on in a second, but just give you an idea about the show and what it covers. As we cover health, wealth, excuse me, health, wealth, and relationships, we go in deep, talk to people that have had success but as I'll also known the, the bottom and what that looks like and the lessons that they've learned along the way will be dropped in these podcasts. So with no further ado, bringing on my good friend, Bobby Rednauer. Like I said, incredible baseball player, created a six-figure business and has completely mastered the mindset on life. Welcome, Bobby. What's up? What's up? What's up, man? Doing well. I'm so happy for the new year. Yep. I hear you. Okay. We're good. Awesome, awesome. Hopefully the, the dinging behind me is not too uh, annoying for everybody listening. But <laughs> Just adds character to the podcast, right? We like it raw. That's right, man. Hey, man, it's, it's, it, 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 it's raw, it's real, it's rock, it's roll. Man, we a little bit of everything, so we ready to go. Let's do it. Let's do it. So I know you, you had a past in baseball, and you were literally right like on the edge of like MLB. Like, How did you even get into baseball in the first place? Like, What led you down that road yeah man dude so you know that's such like a man dude i could probably cover that in like 30 minutes alone but to make it short and sweet man long long story short was you know i grew up watching uh baseball you know my my mom was a softball player you know my my granddad my grandmother loved baseball and Long story short, what they did was, man, they kind of pushed us in there. And, you know, I was playing and watching my brother play, and I was like, man, I could do what he could do. Now, he was three yeah. years older than me, so, you know, for me, it was like, it was always this, this game of like, dude, I got to be better than my brother because, yeah, he's three years older than me, but that's not an excuse for me to be, like, just mediocre. So that's kind of how I got into it. I was just watching him, and then – I just got this love of competition and I was like, dude, I gotta be better than him. I gotta be better than my brother. I gotta be better than my brother. And, you know, from there it started out where, you know, I started a year early playing baseball. Like I wasn't even supposed to be there, but one guy was like, I'll have him on my team. And that was like in, in high school or? No, this was in like, this is like when I first started, like, dude, I'm like three years old playing T ball and like, <laughs> supposed to be four. And, but I was just like a menace. I just, I like could yeah. not do it. So I started playing and man, it was, it was good. I had some really, really good coaches coming up. And, you know, I think that really helped shape me to kind of like where I was. Uh, they were really good at showing you like how to be disciplined and how to like actually go about it. And they were really good at teaching the fundamentals and making sure that mm -hmm. we understood. So then it wasn't about like nowadays people really want to take somebody like let's say let's say you for example Caleb like they want to take you and like give you this perfect swing at like six years old. But you're gonna grow and you're gonna right. like body's gonna start moving different. Yeah. And, that perfect swing at six is not the same perfect swing at 10 or the perfect swing at 15 or the perfect swing at 30 even. Right. So my coaches were really good at showing me the fundamentals and really walking me through and helping me kind of understand like, okay, these are, these are what's necessary, but this is where we have to go. So mm -hmm. as I started doing that, 
um, I started getting really good. I wound up playing with my brother one time and, you know, uh, wasn't supposed to be playing with him, but they needed a pickup guy. And hey. I, played sh- I played shortstop three years younger than, than everybody else on the field, but wound up getting the game ball that game. And, you know, really just further solidified that. I was like, hey, dude, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of good at this game. Mm-hmm. So from there, I, I, you know, um, not a lot of people know this, but I actually played for a guy who was not so great of a coach. And okay. he berated me in front of an entire facility. Um, there was, you know, we were playing another team, but there were four fields right there. And he was just all over me. And that was the first time I ever felt like, wow, dude, I don't I, like I can't play this game. Right. And when he said what he what he said to me and stuff like that it was the first time I ever quit something. Mm-hmm. Um, it was the only one that I ever quit. I never quit another team in my entire life. Never went nowhere else. Never cheap. No, no, nothing like that. It was just I couldn't play for that guy. Um, do you think that I know you said you had some good coaches when you first started out? Do you think that if you didn't have those and you, that was your first guy, that you might have would have quit baseball altogether and not continue to pursue it, or maybe wouldn't have recognized that it was bad coaching because you had nothing to compare it to? Yeah, I mean, I think that's definitely a, a, an option that could have happened, right? Um, so I did know that I loved the game and I loved to play the game. I just knew that I couldn't play for him. Mm-hmm. So at that point, I, I talked to my mom. I'm like 12 years old at this point. And I'm like, Mom, I, like, I can't play for this guy. Like, I, I can't. <laughs> like, it's impossible. Yeah. And they were like, they were like, well, you know, you did make a commitment. And I was like, Mom, I know I made a commitment, but like, I could not fulfill that commitment with this guy. Like, I can't mm-hmm. do it. And that was, and, and they, they agreed. They were like, hey, you know what? You're in the right spot. Like, okay, this will be the only time we will allow you to quit and go do something else. So from there, I went to another really great coach, man, played well with him. And, you know, then eventually got into high school and high school was really fun, man. I never, it was, it was interesting because, you know, again, my brother's three years older than me. So as I'm a freshman, he's a senior. So like everywhere he goes, I have to go. Mm. And and my brother loved to go down to the baseball field. So for us, okay. it was like after school, I went straight to the baseball field. That was it. And we would play, and he would hit me ground balls and fly balls and run through batting practice and stuff like that. And, and you know, I didn't know it at the time, but I tell people now, like if it wasn't for my brother, I wouldn't have been such a good baseball player. Like yeah, you guys drove like, each other. He spent so much extra time with me that was unnecessary, and he did not take it easy on me. Like, there was never one time where my brother, like, didn't just pick up a bat and just hit it as hard as he could at me. Even <laughs> though he knew he was 43 years older than me and, like, you know, had another 40 pounds on me, he was, yeah. he was relentless, dude. He was ruthless. And that hard coaching from him also helped push me to be the be the person that I was and and the player that I was and you know he's kind of the reason I got into pitching um to an extent you know people saw that I could throw a baseball from shortstop to first base and 
it was really hard. They were like, dude, can you pitch? And I was like, sure, I guess. I don't know. I just got up there and started chucking it. And, you know, if, if things could have been different, um, you know, the only thing I would have wished is that, you know, my brother could have had the chance to, to do what, what I had the chance to do. Um, you know, he got diabetes when he was 21. And, oh, geez. Um, it took him out. It took him out of the game. He had to come home from, from college and, you know, get all that squared away and get situated. And then, you know, he just never made it back to play it. And, you know, for me, I would not have been the pitcher or the player that I was without him. Like when it came to, to being good, like he had the mindset and he like he would really work batters where I was just like confident and cocky and arrogant. And I was like, dude, I'm going to throw this fastball right past you and you have no chance. <laughs> so, so, so that's kind of like you know the differences but that's also where i started picking up you know different levels of like headspace as to say you know mm-hmm. like okay when do you actually become a pitcher and when do you become a thrower and from from that you know i went and played college and i played really well and you know i was 90 94 mile an hour fastball and you know and i was on track to get drafted and my shoulder gave way um and my shoulder gave way and sent me down a dark path and you know i didn't know what to do Uh, because that's all you've ever done i mean like you said even after school that was your whole life through high school and 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 you know coming up you know you said three years old you're you're sitting there playing t-ball yeah yeah it was it was my whole life so while i was in high school i did start coaching baseball though so that's how I paid for like summer baseball. That's how I paid for like summers in college uh, to play ball was I was just coaching. So in doing that, it really opened my eyes on how much I love helping people and how much I love giving back and showing people how to do it the right way versus, you know, the wrong way. And when I say the right way, I don't necessarily mean that there's like a cookie cutter. You have to do it this way. Um, there's nothing like that in business and baseball and mm-hmm. life. Like there is no cookie cutter, but what there is, is there's fundamentals and those fundamentals yeah. are so important because the fundamentals are your stepping stones that actually take you to where you want to be. And that's where, you know, it really opened up for me was when I figured out how to, how to connect those two, um, just with the fundamentals and showing them how to do the fundamentals. And then allowing them to get there however they got there it didn't matter if they were long or short or you know over the top as long as they got to the same spot it didn't matter right because right? everybody's journey is different in life nobody nobody starts out the same spot and finishes at the same spot but we can all take different roads to get to like similar spots in our own success yep bingo that's exactly right so that's kind of how that's kind of that's kind of the baseball life for me, man. That's how I got into it. That's kind of like how I did it. And, you know, as far as the mindset goes, man, I just thrived on competition and, and loved uh, doing anything that that I could I could do to just be better than the other guy. So Definitely. whoever stepped up to the plate, I was like, let's go, bro. I got to ask, like, was there like it's kind of like a twofold question. Like, what was the fastest ball you ever threw? And did you throw harder based on whoever was behind the bat 
Like, if you knew, like, some guy, like, was really good, did that make you, like, want to throw even harder and somehow, like, throw faster than you thought possible? So, that's, that's funny. So, yeah, so there's definitely times that I was like, I know this guy. Like, I'm just going to blow it, blow it past him. And I tried that for a while, like, gear up and, like, muscle up and try to throw it past him. But I realized that the tighter I got, the slower I threw Mm-hmm. So then I then I figured out, okay, I want to blow up past this guy. I'm going to loosen up, take a deep breath, and then just let the body flow. And then it started going well. But, yes, there were definitely guys that I would see, and I'd be like, all right, yeah, I got I to gotta get these guys. Like, <laughs> like, it's a like competitive spirit it, coming out. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And it was just at the end of the day, dude, I just I used to just smile and be like, I'm better than you. Good luck. And it's so much like, you know, we've had this conversation before on on mindset and what mindset actually is and how the actual true definition of the attitudes towards whatever you're doing, right? So that being said, like, I just had an attitude about it. I just had a mindset that I was better and good luck. And that's just how I felt. So the fastest I ever threw a ball was, I think, 94, 95, something like that. I don't I don't know. That's it, insane. What, didn't really care, at, uh, to be honest with you. But, yeah. uh, you know, the, the only one that I really ever, yeah, I don't, I don't really have, like, a one moment that I was like, dude, that was the hardest ball I ever threw. But it was, uh, it was definitely something when nice. I experienced all that. And you were talking about mindset too. I know in baseball they say that, like like a like a three hundred is a good good average to have. Like, how do you establish a mindset where like you know you're going to lose the majority of the time, and you just got to stick in there for that you know that three hundred. So, you know the 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 mindset that you're mentioning there um, really comes from just understanding that you know three out of ten you're a hall of famer like if you get three hits out of 10 attempts like 10 at bats then you're a hall of famer and you have to become okay and comfortable with failing right and it's the same way in business it's the same way in life and it's the same way in baseball right so you have to be okay with failing like failing is not a negative thing like everybody seems to think right like you go through school and you get an f and you're like oh my god my world is ending i just failed the class right and in actuality what that means is you just gotta have another attempt at the class to like really yeah. get it down pat right so you have to be okay with failing and you have to be comfortable with it And once you become okay, and once you understand, like, failing is a part of everything. So it really is. If I can just succeed three times in 10, then I'm okay. And then you start, you start approaching every at bat one pitch at a time instead of, Oh my God, dude, I haven't got to hit in three, three games. Like, dude, I got to get a hit now. And now you're pressing and now you're trying to force something instead of just going, Hey, you know what? Hey, those days have passed. I can't change them, 
But what I can do is I can relax, have fun, play the game I love, and good things will happen. And just focus on getting singles, right? So yeah, it's the same way in life and business. I mean, you can talk about singles being, dude, I just have to get a win. I just have to read 10 pages today. Right. Dude, I just have to, I just have to get one person to smile back at me. I just have to get get one one girl to give me her number, right? Yep. And the whole world changes. Yeah, I right? love that you said one pitch at a time because we're literally just moving into 2024 now. And there's a lot of people that have either screwed up in 2023 or just didn't fulfill on goals that they made. But like you said, those are in the past. Let them be. Focus on what you can do today to set up an even better tomorrow. Yeah, for sure. And I would say that like, you know, the, the other thing that really helps um, with that mindset is to actually write it down. You know, a lot of people don't hit their goals because they never wrote them down. They never looked at them. So they, they never knew what steps to take because their goals always changed uh, uh, based on how they were, how they were like acting at that point in time. Like right now, your goals are to conquer the world, right? If you get knocked down and you don't have that wrote down and, and know exactly what you're doing and, and taking steps to move that way each day, then you're never going to hit that goal anyways. Because yeah, it's easy to lose sight of when it's not in front of you. Exactly. If you yeah, if you can't see it, you definitely can't achieve it. So if you're not constantly oh, that's a bar. That same goal, if you're not constantly thinking about that same goal every single day, the moment you wake up, the moment you go to sleep, right? It's probably not gonna happen because your attention's not focused on it enough. Right? Where your attention goes grows. Right. Mm -hmm. So whatever it is, whatever you focus on will grow. But if you don't focus on that goal and focus on the steps to get to that next goal, then you'll never hit it anyways. So that, that's the other concept is just just write stuff down and just really look at it, though. And don't just write yeah, it I down. Found too. Oh, 100%. And I, that leads me to, to saying what I was going to say about how when you write your goals, I've learned like from several millionaires that you want to write them in present tense like you've already achieved them um, yeah. and review them every single day. So every morning or every night. And also not only write them down, but have an actual like voice recording of you reading your goals, saying your goals out loud as if they've already happened. And not only are you reading it, you're listening to it. There's no way you're going to get it out of your head at that point. Like you said, you're coming back to it continually. Yeah, a hundred percent. Cause man, I could tell you a bunch of people who have big goals, but they never write them down. They never speak them. They never say anything. They never put it out there. And then they, they never accomplish them because they really weren't goals. They were just things that seemed cool. So yeah. I would say sit, sit with yourself and really find out, you know, what is it that you want? What is it that you want to do? Where is it that you want to go? Why do you want to do it? Go seven layers deep. Ask, your, ask yourself seven times why you want to do it. So to just get get deeper and get deeper and get deeper. So that way it's not surface level. It's, it, you know, if you can only make it three, it's probably not 100% what you want. But if you can go all seven and answer it religiously, then that's something that you should probably stick to. Yeah. For you guys listening in on this and, and you heard that, that's a, that's a bar right there. Take some time. Dedicate some time. Use the beginning of this year if you haven't got specific on your goals to sit down and like Bobby said go seven levels deep and that determines the real reasoning behind why you want what you want because why you you may want something but you really don't want it if you actually take the time to evaluate like Bobby said 
and come to realize, oh, that's why I want it because I want you know somebody else to think this of me. It's not really a good reason. So when you actually take that time, you figure out the goals that are actually worth chasing. Mm. Yeah, that's right. So you you messed up your shoulder in in college. I know you said you like started coaching after that, but like, where, where did life take you? So after after my shoulder, you know, I uh, like I said, I went to to a dark path, man. I uh, you know I I went out for a bachelor party, and I happened to be the best man, and you know lost baseball. No more school because, well, I wasn't going to afford to go to school if I didn't have a scholarship. So didn't do that. So no baseball, no school. The girlfriend I had at the time that I thought I was going to marry, no more, man. So three things hit me all at once. Lost everything I ever knew, basically, at that point in time. So I'm out. And, um, you know, I got, I got a DUI. And I totaled a truck. And, you know, I'll never forget the officer told me that had I been wearing my seatbelt, it would have killed me. Right. Um, if if you if you, I'll show you the pictures one day, but whenever you do see the pictures, you'll see dude, I was just blessed um, at that point in time. You know, uh, two years later, I'm talking to my to my granny, my uh, dad's mom. And she told me at that very moment in time when I had the wreck, she was praying for me. And that's real. So there was a telephone pole. I hit the telephone pole. It spun me around 180 degrees and it crunched the front of the truck. But inside the truck, it looked like there was a hand that just stopped everything from continuing to come into the cab. So, you know, I was blessed. I walked away from that. Um, nothing seriously injured. Um, and I was like, well, dang, dude, I got to figure something out. So right. I uh, started selling Cutco knives, man. And I got into it because somebody knew me and they were like, dude, you'd be so good at it. And I was like, all right, fine, whatever, I'll try it. And it gave me a little sense of competition for a little while um, okay. until I became like the best in the office and the best in the. Here we go. Come on. And then like I didn't have anybody else that like I could like chat with or like, you know, create some competition. And I just kind of got stale. Um, but I wound up selling over $100,000 in, in Cutco knives in less than a year. Uh, I became the first ever district manager for them. Uh, that went directly from a rep to a district manager. So I became the first one ever. Um, did that for a little while, and it was cool, but I really realized that I hated being in the office all the time. And so I decided to, to give it up and went back to, you know, doing some construction and stuff like that. Went and worked with my uncle, learned some things about, you know, brick and mortar, like how to, for example, the bricks behind me, like how to grind, grind this mortar out, fix it, jack houses up, make sure that their foundations were, were stable. Um, did that for a little while, then went and opened up a couple landscape businesses, owned, operated, sold. Um, and then landed at, uh, my, at my last landscape business. Go ahead. Yeah, tell me about the, the landscaping businesses that you that you built. 
So obviously like building a business takes a lot of risk. Um, you know, there's no guarantee that it's going to work out But for you from previous conversations. I know it was very successful. What like skills did your, um, I don't know, how did baseball help you take your, like what attributes and skills did you gain from baseball that helped you take and scale your landscaping business to over six figures? So I would say that the biggest the biggest attributes and skills and mindset that I got from baseball was number one, be okay with failure. Like failure is just part of it. Like shit happens and you just gotta figure it out. The second thing that I learned was attention to detail. You really have to pay attention to the details of what you're doing, right? Um, in baseball, a fraction a fraction of time can change everything. Um, so, so when you're looking at something in that kind of depth, right? Because let's take a 90 mile an hour fastball, for example, it gets to the plate in like 0.39 seconds, right? So it's wicked you only fast. Have, you only have like this much time to decide if you're going to swing or not, right? And if you and if you decide anytime after this amount, it's too late. Like balls past you, you're done. Better luck next pitch, right? So that was part of it was just you know the attention to detail, and that's that's what I really focused on was just being highly attentive to that, and then the never quit attitude, right? Because you're always one pitch away from a ground ball. You're always one pitch away from a double play. Like you're always one pitch away, one connection away, one one contract away. You're one person or one thing or one anything away from exactly what it is that you want. Yeah. So it reminds me of the story. Go ahead. It reminds me of the story of the the guy digging for gold and he's he's digging and digging and digging. He's like 49 feet down and he's just freaking exhausted he's like screw this there is no gold here picks up his stuff and walks away tells all his friends there's nothing in the area one of his friends doesn't believe him he says nope you're just 49 feet closer to the gold goes and digs and he digs one foot and bam he comes up with the gold so it just reminds me of that how most people they just they give up when things get tough or maybe when they fail one, two, three, four times in a row and they just like, okay, I'm done going back to whatever was working mediocrely before. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. That's what most people do, right? They, they get to this point, they get to where they're almost there and then they're like, Damn, dude, I don't, I don't think I can do it anymore. And they give up right before they hit that greatness. But the one thing I got to say, man, is, you know, when everything's going astray, when everything's going bad, when everything's falling apart, that's when you have to understand, like, dude, you're almost there. The universe is just testing you one last time before it gives you your reward. Yeah. And that's and that's what I focused on. So when I went into that first business, right, um, I partnered up with a guy who had already had one that was kind of going, but not really. Right. So we, we were working and we were doing our thing. And, um, you know, I started picking up little things that I was like, we should try this. We should try that. We should do this. We should do that. Um, and then it got to the point where I started implementing a few of them. And that business partner did something that he shouldn't have done. So I was like, 
Okay, I'm out. I'm out. I took all my stuff that I had. That was it. Gave him everything else. I was like, you can keep it. I got knowledge. That's all I needed. Then I went to another one. And I started implementing some of those things that I thought we should have done at the last one. And they started working. And not only were they working, they were working extremely well. They I love that. Like, it was something that everybody was looking for that nobody was offering and it bridged the gap and it made it so stupid simple for them to do it and what it was was that all i did was create this opportunity where people could could pay every single month for a landscape contract without signing a contract for a year because the way that i looked at it was this right here if, if I have to have you sign a contract, that means I'm probably not going to do what I said I was going to do. And you're locked in with my contract. So too bad for you, right? But if I said, hey, look, here's the deal. You're going to pay me X amount of dollars every month without fail. And I'm going to come. And when you get ready or you feel like you're not getting the service that I said I was going to provide, then you can quit. No questions asked. I'll just stop coming. And I never had one person fall off. Because I think at that point in time, what it forced me as a, as a business owner and what it forced them as a consumer to do is to really pay attention to what was actually happening. Right? Yeah. It didn't allow, it didn't allow me to just be like, oh, well, sorry, you know doesn't matter you still got to pay because you know you signed the contract it forced me to actually deliver a high level of value with a high level of attention to detail where it was appreciated by the people who who were paying it and they never wanted to go anywhere because they knew that they couldn't get anywhere else yeah that creates that creates long-term customers when you provide that much value for you know a cost that's pretty much straight across the board or even if it's a little more people are willing to pay if they're getting that value but i'll go back to something you said you said it was in the business you have where your, your partner didn't you know screwed you over my understanding and you gave everything to him it kind of reminds me of that show if you've ever seen undercover billionaire where these guys that are super successful in business real estate whatever they strip them like of everything, all their money, their name, put them in some area that they've never been yeah. in before, give them hardly anything. And because they have the knowledge, it doesn't matter what they took away from them. As long as they still had that knowledge, they could go in and within a certain amount of time have great success. And it sounds like that's what you did. And you took paid attention to the details and you took that information and it wasn't enough just to take it, but you took it and operated off of it to see success. Yeah, a hundred percent. That's exactly that. I mean, it, it's funny that you mentioned that, but yes, that's exactly what what I did was I just took everything that I saw that was already working, put it back in play, and then used my networking skills um, in order to to get the jobs that I wanted. Um, because again, man, I mentioned it earlier. You're always one one away. So I was one contact, one connection, one some whatever it was. I was one away. So all I had to do was find one person that could tell a lot more people. And I found that one person. And the next thing you know, it just kind of went from there. And 
you know, you get me in front of somebody, man, I'm gonna kill him. <laughs> Got that competitive I, I, drive. Bro, I, I, I ain't here for the birds, man. I ain't for everybody. I'm not everybody's cup of tea and I'm not, you know, not everybody is my customer either. But that being said, you know, if you're looking for quality work and things like that, like, then I'm your guy. I guarantee, 100%. And I tell everybody straight up from the get-go, hey, I'm not going to be your cheapest. I'm not going to be your most expensive. But I'm going to tell you one thing. Good ain't cheap and cheap ain't good. So what is it that you're looking for? 100%. And shifting gears, obviously, we're just starting 2024 here, Bobby. Where, where do you see 2024 taking you? What are you setting up? to uh, further your success this year? What kind of goals have you set in place? And what do you do when you sit down and go over those goals? I know you mentioned digging deep seven times, but like, what do you do? Like, what does your goal setting practice look like each year? So uh, each year it's, it, sometimes it's a little different, but most of the time it's, it's pretty, pretty streamlined. So basically I sit down, log myself in a room for like two hours turn the lights down, throw on some classical music and just meditate. And I just ask myself a bunch of questions, you know, what is it that I want? Where is it that I want to go? Am I happy with where I'm at? Do I, you know, where, where, what is it that I truly want? And sometimes it takes a while for me to come up with it. And, you know, sometimes, you know, our head gets in the way because of where we're at now and we can't really see anything in the future. So I try to forget and, and, I, and I always look at it like this. If, if money was irrelevant, if, if, if the money didn't matter, where would I want to be? What would I want to be doing? And who would I want to be doing it with? And those are the questions that I ask myself to create the goals that I set each year. So I never technically look at it it's just about money. Uh, obviously, I have money goals. I have investment goals and things like that that I want to do. But um, for the most part, that's kind of how I run my life, right? It's, it's who can I help? Where can I serve? And, you know, who can I connect? And then go from there. So, you know, my goal this year, um, you know, one of the big ones that, that I do every year is, is reading, reading goals. So last year I read 12 books. This year I want to double it and I want to read 24. Uh, you know, there's, there's a chance that, uh, you know, I'll put down 52 books in a year. It doesn't mean I have to read 52 different books. It just means I have to read 52 books. I can read the same book 52 times, but... Sometimes you need to do that. That's for sure. Yeah. Some so, of these so, books. Yeah, they can be they can be daunting, man. They can they can really change change the way you think. But but yeah, so I, I want to do twenty four books this year. Um, as far as business goes, uh, there's a lot of things that I have up in the air right now that I'm uh, still weighing out and and trying to nail down. I should have them nailed down by the by the end of the week or maybe by the end of next week. But it's, it's been a long time planning, uh, trying to figure it out. Um, there's investment opportunities that I want to be able to take advantage of by, you know, the summer. Um, and then there's other, there's another business that there's a couple businesses that I intend on starting uh, this year. So Come on one, of them, 
one of one of them being, uh, you know, I do want to write a book. So that's gonna be that's gonna be pretty cool. It's like a daily devotional uh, where it's like you know just basically a whole bunch of stuff that you can read that really gets your mind moving and get you thinking slightly different so there's things in there about business there's things in there about mindset there's things in there about life there's all kinds of stuff in there man uh there might be uh, some small little bit of comic relief at some points but um so i want to do the book uh but i also am looking into potentially starting a tour guide out in uh, the outer banks but there's a lot of other stuff that's still up in the air too that I'm trying to nail down and really figure out which way I want to go. So I can't I can't tell you all my goals right now, um, not because of the lack of planning, but just because I'm still trying to work through those other two hours. So sometimes two hours just isn't enough for me. It takes me right. like a week to like. Yeah. And you sit down and you ask yourself that why seven times deep. It it takes time. You got to yeah. really dig deep within. A hundred percent, but but that's but that's how I typically do it. I just sit down and lock myself in a room, and I don't come out until I, well, I either need to eat or <laughs> or like I have some answers. But awesome. I don't mean I always have all the answers when I come out. Right. Awesome. I love it, Bobby. Dude, thank you so much for coming on today, man. If you guys haven't met Bobby, go follow him on Instagram. It's Bobby underscore Rednauer. Again, that's Bobby underscore Rednauer on Instagram. Connect with him. Shoot him a message. He he loves, like you just mentioned, like he's down to like connect you with somebody. You're one person away from your next breakthrough. And then also if you're just trying to get some coaching from somebody, reach out to him. Nobody else I would hire or uh, recommend hire. Um, Any last words in closing, Bobby? No, but that does bring up one of the one of the businesses. I do plan on starting a coaching business and really getting into it and helping people grow and learn and change their mindset and really move them to to become the people that they want to become. Whether that's fitness, health, wealth, business, it doesn't matter. I'm here to help. So, uh, other than that, Caleb, dude, uh, thanks for having me on. Man, I, I feel, you know, much love here for you, man. And, uh, man, couldn't have been a better time. Definitely, bro. We'll have to have you back on sometime. Yeah, let, let's do it, man. We can really get into the nitty-gritty of, of business and things like that. But, you know, what, whatever whatever you need, whatever you, whatever you want to ask, things like that. If there's other people who want to chime in, like, a whole bunch of questions and we just fire them off. We could do that too. It doesn't matter, man. I'm here. I'm here. I love that. I love that. So if you guys watch this, you guys have further questions for Bobby and you want Bobby back on, shoot me a message. I got my Instagram over here. Let me go ahead and drop it again for you guys. It's Caleb Bowl 33. Again, Bowl 33. Drop me a comment. Drop me what you thought of this, your takeaways, and I'll create a list of any questions you guys have and we'll have Bobby back on later on to answer those for you. With that being said, take care, Bobby. Peace, bro.